This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. More than ever, this is a time of hope rather than despair. It's a time for listening with all our senses and being open to the answers when they come. Our ancestors heard the call of the forest and they heard the song of nature. Now it's our chance to discover that forgotten wisdom. Valeria Tellez interviews Liz Jansen, the author of Crash Landing, The Long Road Home. Healer, author, and motorcycle aficionado Liz Jansen combines her artistic mediums to create stories that inspire readers to embark on their own journey of self-discovery. No helmet or jacket required. Her healing approach blends wisdom from her experience as a registered nurse, corporate human resources professional, and certified practitioner in shamanic energy medicine. Liz was born into a German Mennonite culture, the granddaughter of Russian refugees. At age 16, she began riding her brother's motorcycle on her family farm, and a motorcycle became her lifelong muse. In 2003, after leaving a 25-year marriage and a career in corporate human resources, she spent two months traveling across Canada and the United States, figuring out what to do next. Since then, Liz has logged hundreds of thousands of miles of mostly solo travel across Canada and the United States. While she enjoys the rugged beauty of Ontario's northern wilderness, she has a particular fondness for the open expanses of the Canadian prairies and Midwestern plains. In 2014, at age 60, Liz set out on a solo motorcycle quest seeking the answer to how ancestral experiences and a culture she'd distanced herself from had shaped her. Barely three weeks into what was intended to be a 12 to 18 month trip through the Americas, a crash changed her trajectory and ushered in a period of stillness. Two years later, back on her motorcycle, she completed that quest and got her answers. They weren't the answers she'd expected and they'd appeared in a way she couldn't have imagined. Liz is a member of the Writers' Union of Canada and the Nonfiction Authors Association. She's the author of Women, Motorcycles, and the Road to Empowerment, Life Lessons for Motorcycles, and Crash Landing. She lives in Ontario with her cat Misha and Trudy, her Triumph Tiger motorcycle. Meet Liz at LizJansen.com. Here is the interview with Liz Jansen.
in your own words, who is Liz Jensen? Liz Jansen came into this world on Mother's Day, actually, a tiny fiery bundle of energy. And I say fiery because I had fiery red hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had came in with a, a bundle of gifts and talents and energy that were raw at that time. And I think it's many years later from that day, but I still have those gifts and talents that I had. But I came to have fun, to have adventures on this earth, but also to be of service. So I'm still that same person. My hair's not as red. (laughs) I still have those same gifts and and talents, but they've been developed. I've added to them maybe. um, And maybe there's some that are yet to be discovered. And they've been developed over time. But I'm still that same person, but in... Mm perhaps a different format, a little older human being, but still that same person. So talk to me for a moment about those gifts and talents that you have had and have still have. It's taken me a while to come around to this, but all of my gifts, I think, come around to healing. Hmm. And they do this in different ways. When I started my career, my professional career, I went into nursing and I became a registered nurse, but that really wasn't what was in, wasn't for me. And I soon moved into other things. But right now what I do, what it's evolved to, um, I do work through my words, I healing through words, through my writing, through, I've uh, trained as a shamanic energy healer, I do words work through my motorcycling experience, which we probably will talk about. But I have used that as um, a healing tool and inspirational and to create the environment, especially with women in motorcycling. Over the years, I've been very active with that to get people to experience their own empowerment. My first book was called Women, Motorcycles and the Road to Empowerment. So that's a healing journey. And so all these things that I've been involved in, and and when I was in the corporate world, which feels like a previous life to me, but it was my first half of my life, was um, I was involved in corporate training and development and and coaching and that kind of thing. So all of these things all revolve around healing work, and and that's what it's really come around to now, and that's what I, I focus on. Talk to me for a moment about the connection between writing, telling stories and healing? When I write, and I also spend a lot of time in nature, I spend a lot more time in nature now than ever before. And I write in nature also. Mm -hmm. And when you write, you don't know when you open up to it. You don't know what's going to come out on the page. At least that's how I write. If I know what's going to come out on the page, then there's really... um, no point to it. Mm-hmm, yeah. So <laughs> when I start out to, uh, you know, when I start out to write a book, I don't know what's going to come out. I know that I have, uh, there's there's something in me that has a story to be told, but I don't know what that story is going to be. I have a general idea, but I don't know where it's going to go. And so that part I have to leave to see what wants to come out. And uh, it's always it's always interesting to me to see what wants to come out. And what is also very interesting to me sometimes is when I'm trying to work things through for myself or I'm trying to 
to answer a question. Sometimes I'll go through and not necessarily even with a book that I'm writing, but I'll go back because I blog too. And I'll look at those, the blogs that I've, I've written and previous posts and I'll go, I'll look at them and I'll say, there's the answer I was looking for all along. And it's something that I've already written there. (laughs) There's the answer. In a way, writing is exploring the unknown, isn't it, Liz? It is. Yeah. It is. Mm. And sometimes I'll ask a question to myself or to whoever's listening yeah. and, uh, and say, you know, what is this? And then I'll write whatever the answer is and, and see what, what comes out. We resist or are afraid of the unknown. Do you wonder why most of us reject what we don't know? Oh, I don't wonder why at all. It can be frightening <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you don't know what that answer is going to be. And then when, yeah. you know, and then how are you going to respond, right? What if it's something you don't like? Right. right. Um, and then how do you live true to your value? You know, how do you live true if you've said you're going to listen to that and you don't like the answer? Yeah. Right. For you, what is healing? Is that a destination or somehow a process, a journey, ongoing journey? It's an ongoing journey. We all, everyone needs healing. And it's a word that sometimes I think it's overused, but we all need healing. And just when we think, you know, we think we've got it and, uh, and then something else opens up or, or something, we go through a time of challenge or something that opens up the cracks and those cracks let more light in and we op- it opens us up to oh, I didn't know that, and, and there's more something hurt or painful or something that we see that we couldn't see before that we see now because there's more light coming in, and now we're on a, a journey of different healing. And so it's an ongoing, and I think that's part of our Earth journey. Mm-hmm. We're always on a healing journey here, and that, that's part of the reason we're here. And it's not just for ourselves. When we heal ourselves, it, it's not just us that's healing. We're healing those around us Mm, and not just humans i think we're healing other beings around us as well as in nature do you believe in enlightenment i don't know really what to say about that because i believe it's it's possible you can have epiphanies enlightenment moments and i don't strive i know that people strive for enlightenment i strive to be the best that i can all the time and however that you know if if However that unfolds, it unfolds. And so that's how I go about my life. So the title of your book is Crash Landing, The Long Road Home. That word home, so when you say home, does it imply a destination? What is home to you, Liz? What does it feel as home? Home is coming back to who I am, finding out who I am before Others have told me who I am before I'm being who I think I should be or who others have told me who I am, who I am in my heart of hearts, who, who I'm here to be, who that little bundle of energy <laughs> is that came into the world before others started shaping her and telling her stories about who she should be right. and uh, who she should, what she should expect out of life. Yeah. So it's coming Actually, going, coming back to ourselves, that return yeah. to oneself. Yes, yes, it's coming back to ourselves. <sighs> what does it feel like? <laughs> oh, it feels wonderful. <laughs> it feels wonderful. Um, but, you know, it, it does feel wonderful. It's very freeing and liberating. 
it's also can be frightening because then you've also got the other voices because you've, yeah. we all have stories. We, we have them and, and we've been conditioned by people, our parents. I mean, they mean the best, right? They're the best intentioned and, and our culture and everybody tells us stories and there's expectations. But when we want something or when we feel that who we are is something different than that, I mean, it took me a long time to break free of that. And so it takes a great deal of courage to do that. And so freeing isn't just, it's not a destination either. It's an ongoing journey. Do you connect spiritual exploration to self-discovery? And if you do, what is your idea of spirituality? I do connect it with self-exploration. I, I think for me, spirituality, the sacred I, I, it's all, it's all one. I, and I don't, I, I find that, you know, the, the sacred, I, I, I don't differentiate it. Um, that, you know, I'm part of the sacred. The sacred is in me. It's in everything that I see. It's in nature. I'm in part of that. It's all part of, of who I am. And it's how I, I go about my life. It's, it's part of, you know, the creative energy that's in me and it's how I operate. It's everything is spiritual. Everything is sacred. I love that idea too. Uh, You know, we have so many ideas, concepts, but uh, there are some that just resonates with something deeper in us. In the way you speak, yeah, everything's spiritual, everything's sacred. It resonates true to me. Yeah. And that's not saying that you know, there are different belief systems that can fit into that also. Right. But right. I think that on the whole, this is who we are. And this is, we're part of, uh, you know, this, we're part of creation. And, and that's who we are. Yeah. No separation. Right. And there's no separation. And God is in us, if we want to call it God, right. the being, um, the, the, the creation, the creative force. And, and we're part of that. Yeah. And we need to... Um, honor that. There is this feeling, because I have that, so many of us, people that I talk to, that we are trying to help others to get there. And I wonder sometimes if everything's just perfect. Um, maybe everything's good, perfect the way it is. There's no change that need to be made. But then we see the violence, the ignorance and all that. I mean, we perceive as that. And then we want to change. And then Um, By trying to do that, we are actually causing more suffering. Like in my case, by seeing people around me, my family members acting a certain way, yeah, there's a feeling of sadness. And I'm wondering if that's necessary, really, Liz, if if I can release that somehow, or we can. I see the same thing, and and we see more of that now. Yeah. Um, You know, and we go back to, you know, what's what's behind that, what's causing that. Yeah. Because people are still, even though they're acting in ways, and I, I'm seeing that more with people that I thought I knew, mm. and they're coming out with the most bizarre things. Yeah. And I'm thinking, where did that come from? And why are you, why are you saying that? And wh- because they're acting from what they, what, their truth, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And so... The, the whole thing about listening and trying to understand each other is more important now than ever. And there's more opportunities for that now than ever. And, and, and I think that's what these times are showing us, 
that and I and I have been shown myself that there I have blind spots. When we talk about waking up to our mm, stories, it's right. like I've been shown my own blind spots that I've been oblivious to. Mm. And uh, it's like I have to wake up also. Talk to me a bit more about Liz. What do you mean by that when you say wake up to our own stories? What is the meaning of that? Well, sometimes we we go about and we're we live in. I consider that I live in privilege. I don't live. I I live simply. I live, but I you know I don't have to worry about where my food is coming from, um, or that I I live in a place of shelter. You know I don't have to worry about those kinds of things, but many people around me do. Um, let me point out another thing. In my very first book, and this came home to me very recently, and um, in my first book, Women, Motorcycles, and the Road to Empowerment, and I, I, in that, I interviewed 50 women. Well, one of them was me. And I was uh, recently interviewing another woman who was black, and she was asking me, also a motorcycle rider, and we were talking, and she was asking me different questions. And I used to, I like to say that, you know, the book describes a, a diversity of women and uh, that come from a cross-section of lifestyle that shows how, you know, that um, through motorcycling, they discovered their strengths and different things like that. Yeah. Uh, they discovered their strengths and then how they were able to use it in different parts of their lives. And I always talk about how I, I talked about a diverse group of women. And I'm talking to this black woman, and and I realized this actually a couple of years ago. But as I mean, it just came home to me that out of 50 women, I have three in this book of 50 that are racially diverse, and I hadn't even thought of it. Like I just had not thought of it, and she wasn't pointing it out to me, but I was looking at her and I was thinking, oh my god, I didn't even think of it. Right. You know, not so. Like things like that, that and we that, don't even think of because it's just not in my eyesight. What happens when we finally realize something that we never did before in our entire well, lives? Well, it wakes me up to to not just that to be uh, you know to be watching or mm. not just not just skin color or differences like right. that, right. but um, but also other things. But to be but to be looking where people are outside of, you know, just the world that I live in and, and the needs of other people that mm. maybe are, are stopping, you know, they, they don't know, they no longer talk about their needs because they're tired of it because nobody listens to them. Right. Um, right. Or people that are homeless or need food or they're, they're embarrassed to ask for help. Mm. It makes me more awake to their stories or open to the needs of others when you see something that that was so blatant. I mean, it wasn't a blatant disregard on my part, but it did show show that. It held up a mirror to me. Right. So it's paying attention more. I love the way you say the blog you sent me, the difference between listening and hearing. That's very yes. different. Yeah. Yes. To me, what comes is self-awareness, just paying attention more in general every moment, which is hard work, isn't it, when you think about it? When I think about being and just relaxing and being and not just doing, then it, when I think about the work of self-awareness, that sounds like doing. I'm not sure if that's uh, what's happening, but it's, it might be that it takes work 
doesn't it, Liz, to really it, it uncover does. Yeah, ourselves? It does. And when we talk about listening versus hearing, it's like listening is all, using all our senses mm. and not just talking yeah. and not being aware of what's going on around us. Right. Right? Not being aware. What is your perspective on intuition? How do we learn to trust that voice more? We practice it. Yeah. And we, that's how. And we learn to trust it. Um, but we learn by practicing it. Because sometimes we're not sure, right? Is it yeah. intuition or is right. that something not? So we trust it and say, I'm going to trust you. And so, and, and we do it. And then only by trusting it and and going by that feeling. And even when we think, I don't know, I don't really want to. It goes back yeah. to, you know, when we were writing and getting an answer that we didn't like, <laughs> but that's what we asked for, right? right. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same with our intuition. Well, you asked me, here's what I'm telling you. Okay, um, I asked for this, so I'm going to trust you with the answer. And then your intuition gets stronger as you practice using it. What are the signs, Liz, that you have um, seen in your own life from your experience what are the signs when we are listening to our intuition? Are there some very um, clear signs? Well, the signs are that you something happens that you that you will get an answer that you know is right. Right. I guess that's the that's the clearest thing when you follow your intuition or or something happens that wouldn't have happened had you not followed your intuition. Right. Those are the things that, that, yeah. I have heard someone saying that love, it's the way to know when it's coming from love, whatever thoughts we have, ideas. Does it resonate true to you or not? Uh, yes, Sometimes it does. But I, I suppose... I like to think that all my thoughts come from love. Mm, yeah. it, it comes from mm. trust, too. I, I remember my dad, the, one of the last things he said to me, he said, I trust. Mm. And that was the very last thing. He says, I trust. And that's got to do with intuition, too. And he was so peaceful when he was dying. Yeah. And, and it was all came down to trusting. Oh, and that's wow. intuition, too. Yeah. Was he engaged in spirituality somehow or religious beliefs? Oh, he was uh, oh, very see. much so. Um, but at the end, he dropped, I shouldn't say he dropped them. Um, he became, his death was so peaceful and, and such, a, such a spiritual experience that um, I've worked in nursing. I've seen many people right. pass right. and uh, I've never seen anything like this. And, uh, and so it was quite an experience, his passing. Yes. The fear of losing the physical body is very common for most of us. Do you still have doubts or fear when it comes to imagining, visualizing that moment? I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and there's always a fear of the unknown, right? Yes. I know. Yeah. I do know yeah. that it will happen. But <laughs> I also know that, and I, couldn't, I can't say that I would be without fear, but I know that, um, I know that it will happen. And I know that I won't let it dominate my life or control my life. I live every day as if it could be my last. Mm, and yeah. when I do get to the time that it is my last, I don't, I know that I will not have any regrets that um, I want to live each day fully. And that's what 
how I want to live my life, how I do live my life. And so you wrote the book, as I mentioned earlier, Crash Landing, The Long Road Home. Talk to me about the, uh, how did you become a writer and what was the main inspiration and intention of writing your book? Becoming a writer was accidental, or certainly wasn't on my list. When I uh, left uh, uh, my corporate world and uh, set out on my own, I did some major life changes around age 48. And um, I was working with a, a core, uh, an executive coach and had to write out you know, some 10-year goals. And one of them I just wrote down. See, this is what happens when you write things down. Mm -hmm. Become a writer. <laughs> write a book, I wrote. And so <laughs> the 10, year, you know, 10 years were coming up and I had to write a book. So um, uh, that's how I wrote my first book. And I started writing some other things as well. But uh, um, that's how I became a writer anyways. I started and my, my writing was about women and motorcycling. But it was also, you know, the, the writing motorcycle riding that I did, I did some of the technical part of it too, but it was more about the spirituality of motorcycling and the two-wheeled wisdom. Um, so mm -hmm. that's what I did. And that's about in motorcycling. And when I wrote Crash Landing, it was at age 60 that I, I decided I was going to go on a quest on my motorcycle. And I really, I had been raised in a fundamentalist background and I had just really disengaged from it. I had not claimed that and I had been ashamed of it. I had not been telling anybody about my background. And I, but I knew at age 60 that if I wanted, which I did, to make the most of the rest of my life, I had to understand those stories and how they had shaped me. So I wanted to go on a quest and understand. I wanted to understand my grandparents. They were refugees. They came to Canada in the 1920s after a, a civil war, uh, after the Bolshevik Revolution. And so I thought if I can go and put myself in their shoes from when they were in their early 20s and just coming here as penniless refugees, I could understand their stories better and put myself in their shoes. And then I could understand why they taught their children as they did, who taught me as they did. And of course, the best way for me to go traveling and on a quest was by motorcycle because that's like my best thinking. And so initially, I was going to go on a trip. Um, I live in central in Ontario, and I was going to go across Western Canada. And then I was going to continue. I sold everything. I was going to go down through South America, which which was just on a, on a bit of an adventure and be gone for 18 weeks. But three weeks into that, I crashed. And, uh, and so just, you know, that stopped the trip. But what I really wanted to, um, wanted to learn from that was, you know, understanding their stories and how that influenced me. And I knew, I always knew I would write about it because I, I knew I would have something to share with readers about that because everybody has a story and everybody's got stories that have shaped them and that have shaped them into something. I didn't know at the beginning that the title would be Crash Landing, <laughs> or it might not have gone. <laughs> um, but we all have crashes, right? right. We all have oh, crashes yeah. Yeah. in different ways. And my grandparents certainly had many crashes. And, you know, how did they come through those? And how did that, the way they come through those influence me? And then how did the land that they live in, how did that all influence me as well? And so that was the inspiration and, and the intention behind what I did. Wow. And so I, I needed more time um, 
So I wasn't ready to continue further on that first trip. I eventually did go back and finish it. You did. But I wasn't ready. Yes, I did. I did. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> and so that was the story. And it was really a reconnection. I mean, it was that was definitely a healing journey, an amazing journey. And, and, and the, the healing journey isn't just in writing the book or in the finished product itself. It's everything that happens along the way and the people you meet and interact with and, and everything. It's, it, was, it was quite an amazing journey. Talk to me about how did you become interested in motorcycles, in riding them? I asked you off record, but now is the time to explore that. I started riding a motorcycle when I was 16. On My parents had a farm. Uh, they grew uh, peaches, cherries, a fruit farm. Yeah. And my brothers got a little motorcycle to ride around the farm, and I started riding it, and I just have never stopped. So uh, it was just something I did, and I never thought twice about it. Right. So I just continued riding it, and, and I've loved it. It's been, I call it my muse. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't ride as much now, but I've ridden a lot. Um, yeah. And what is it about riding a motorcycle uh, for you, Liz, that um, it seems to me that connects you with deeper with, um, with yourself, with this um, sense of experiencing life at the fullest? That's what it comes to me, that the way you you experience that motorcycling thing. So for most of us, women also comes across as a very courageous thing to do. It but, does yeah. It does come across as courageous. <laughs> yeah. for when you're 16 and you learn to ride a motorcycle, what's <laughs> going to happen? Nothing, right? You just go out and ride. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. when you're an adult, and that's why I was in such a good position to help women learn to ride yeah. because wow. um, I had learned to ride when I had no fear right. Um, right. of riding. Right. Um, but and, and to overcome that because, again, those those are a lot of stories that we put in our head. Right. There's sure. some substance to them. Don't get me wrong. Um, but a lot of times those stories are limiting for no reason. And, and there's ways of overcoming them. I mean, learning. And I taught a lot, uh, taught uh, motorcycle lessons too. But it's, it's just so symbolic of, mm. you know, if you can learn to ride a motorcycle, you can learn to do anything. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Right? And, <laughs> yes. and, and, you, and there's ways of learning and learning how to do it safely. But you really connect. You talked about nature before mm, yeah. and, and getting out and getting out on the open road and, mm. and just, you know, we talk about listening and listening and hearing, using all your senses when you're out there mm. and connecting and, and connecting with all of that and the freedom of the road and feeling that and the insights that you get and the people that you meet and people connect with you riders and non-riders alike in such a different way and the experiences that you have it's it's uh, quite a, a, a an amazing experience the mind tries to imagine what would that feel like and yeah the sense of freedom and i love this idea that we by being on a motorcycle, you can connect better to nature. Because I love nature, walking in nature, but I never thought about riding a motorcycle. That never came mm. to me. So that's a very unique thing. And I don't see a lot of women, like I live in Florida, and I don't see a lot of women doing that, mostly men. So, and I'm wondering why is there something that men are attracted to because of the fear factor, that they have less fear? 
or it's just that women are not given the opportunity really to experience these things? Oh, there's many reasons for that. And it, it ha- but there's more and more women riding now than ever oh. before and more events. And, you know, the industry has got a lot more going on for women. There's still a, min- a minority of riders are women, but I'm going to say, and I'm, I'm guessing at this, it could be up to 20% uh, of riders are women. Um, but that may be high, but it varies depending if you're talking about, if you're riding on the road or if you're doing trail riding and that kind of thing. But um, there is more now for women than, than a lot of, you know, many years before. So. Yeah, so that's good to know. And this is not something that is um, of interest because I know that women... In general, they are interested in different things than men are. Nursing is one of one of those things. I noticed that taking care of people, women are very much attracted to that, the nurturing. Well, and also women, um, you know, when your women are having children and looking after mm-hmm. children and um, looking after the household, oftentimes, although I know what men share in that responsibility as well, but, uh, you know, a lot of times that falls on the women, woman. And True. and so they're not out riding motorcycles when they're doing that. They're looking uh, after their family. Um, maybe one day. I'll let you know, Liz. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I get to do that, that would be interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. So we're almost at the end. Would you like to add anything, any topic that we didn't discuss about your book or read a passage in your book? I'm not going to read a passage, but what I will do, I'll read the endorsement off the front cover, because I think that explains the book. And it's from uh, my beloved teacher, uh, Araya Mountain Dreamer. She was my teacher for many years and very inspirational to be very meaningful. And she said, stories change us. Liz Jansen's story is both an adventure and his mesmerizing process of excavating the meaning, messages, and magic embedded in our everyday lives. Her journey is an invitation to be awake to the story our lives and the lives of our ancestors is telling. And that kind of story heals the heart. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? That I don't control nearly as much as I think I control. Oh my God. Or that I like to control. There's very little that I'm in control of. That's a huge reminder for all of us. Yeah, for me, certainly. What is your perspective on unconditional self-love? That's also a hard lesson. (laughs) Because... We are trying to be kind to ourselves, you know, in spite of what we do to ourselves or, you know, what we're telling ourselves of how we can be better or how we could always do better when we do something that we're not very proud of. And then we have to love ourselves anyways. But we do. I mean, we try our best, right? And we make yeah. mistakes. And then we, but we love ourselves anyways. Yes. So, yeah. That's another. If we don't love ourselves, so how can... You know, we need to operate. We want to operate from a place of unconditional self-love. And then we can offer that to others as well. If, right. if we know that, then we can offer that to others. We need to, off, we need to know it to offer it. Two more questions for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leave in the body, would you make any change or do anything differently? No. We talked earlier, I, I try and live every day as if it's, it could be my last or my last moment. Yeah. So there's nothing that I would change. 
I love that answer. Yeah. yeah. No, I would I would keep it as I and I and I do that exercise often. Yeah, you do. Thinking. Right. Right. I do, I do. It's like sort of a calibration. It's like, you know, when I when I'm doing something, it's like, okay, would I be doing this if I knew this was <laughs> my last day? Right. Would I be doing this? No. That's a great question to ask. Would I wake up and do what I do if today was my last day on earth, on this body? That's a great question. I do ask often too. I think it's a very important question to ask. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? (laughs) Okay, three things. Well, three things. First of all, life is an adventure. Yeah. And in three ways, it can, uh, pardon me, in two ways, it can, that can be, uh, it can be a fun, adventures can be fun and uh, exciting, but they can also be very challenging and painful. And we don't always know the nature of the adventure that's going to come our way, but we know that there will be an adventure somehow and that we will need to navigate through it. The second thing is that there are always helpers and those helpers are seen and they are unseen, but they are always around us. And that is sometimes, that is grace. And that is trusting that helpers will be around. And we, sometimes we need to ask, but we don't always. It's just there for us. But helping always, helping helps. Yeah, um, We can ask for help. And then the third thing is that life always wins. Life always wins. That's an interesting phrase to hear. So, so mm. life is life is always working for life. Yeah. So that you know, we do. Maybe we don't live. We don't. Our human body doesn't live forever. But you know, when we when we look at, uh, I use na- I can use nature as an example. And we we do things, and we think that you know that we do things to our environment and and things. Can, we can do things to the forest that make trees die. But then next thing you know, like a forest, say for example, a forest fire. But then next thing you know, there's new growth coming up, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm. Nature is always working for life. Life is always working for life. Wow, I love that message too. Yeah, so life will always be there. There's no such a thing as no life. <laughs> Life is always there. Yeah. Thank you so much, Liz, for your beautiful presence. Yeah. Yeah. I love your wisdom, your clarity, the work you do to help not just heal the soul, deepest parts of us, but also the surface too, the fears, so we can become more joyful, more playful with life. That's what resonates to me when you talk about motorcycling. It's fun to open up the heart so we can play more in this realm. Mm -hmm. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? The best place is on my website, which is at LizJansen, all one word, dot com. Wonderful. You now have that link on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, Liz, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Valeria. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Liz Jansen and her work, please visit lizjansen.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. 
Thank you again for listening and bye for now.